That's Jason Archer here from Abacus Bio, um, here with Max Tweedy from Beef and Lamb Genetics, and uh, the four guys here are the managers of uh, the beef progeny test commercial farms that we've got operating in New Zealand. So uh, might just get you guys to introduce yourselves just briefly, and I'll start with you, Simon, seeing you were keen to kick off. Righto, yep, yep. Uh, thanks, Jason. Um, you know, I'm Simon Lee, and I am um, involved in one of the progeny test farms, and I farm at Mendip Hills in uh, North Canterbury. Um, so we started with a program of AI and 525 cows and um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far. Yes, uh, Ian Evans from uh, Totani Station, uh, located in the southern Hawke's Bay. So Totani is owned by Nari Kanunu and leased by uh, Taratahi Agricultural Training Centre. So uh, my role, I've only been at Totani for about 11 months, um, but yeah, we, we AI 430 cows. And uh, yeah, we run 30,000 stock units, and um, part of what we do is also educate students on, on the farm, which is great from an industry perspective with, with what we're doing here. Yeah. Yep. Sam. Yeah, g'day. Uh, Sam Bunny from uh, Rangitaki Station. Um, Rangitaki is about 8,500 hectare sheep, beef, and deer property, located um, just uh, south of Taupo on the Naked Taupo Highway. Um, yeah, been part of the program for. for Four or five years now, um, we AI about 400 cows um, to the program, and it's been um, been really good to be part of. So. Yep. And Richard, we're here at your place. Yeah, Richard Schofield, um, general manager of Fongara Farms, and yes, we are here at beautiful sunny Gisborne, but not not so sunny at the present time. Um, so Fongara Farms is, is, is a Mary-owned uh, partnership of. Um, Three Marion corporations, um, about eight and a half thousand hectares, and running about seventy-five thousand stock units. Um, we we've been in the program right from the start, so the last four or five years, and we started off AIing four hundred cows, and we are now currently AIing eight hundred cows as part of the program, um, both to terminal and maternal genetics, and um, we've sort of yeah taken on board the AI um, as as a tool for us as, as ourselves, and we also AI about another. Up to another another 400 cows in our own right as well. That's right. And uh, fortunately, not with us today, but um, Cabify Station is also part of the program. And uh, Matt Smith, the manager, and that's a Lone Star farm. It's in the Hacker Valley. Uh, it's about 35,000 stock units uh, and and a big finishing factory. But just getting back to to uh, you guys, Richard. So you mentioned that you're doing some AI on your own account. Um, why are you doing that? I think, um, I guess we're looking for uh, to speed up the genetic gain, so um, I guess the advantage of using AI is we can be using the same genetics that the stud breeder is using, and so we can get those genetics on the ground on our farm a lot earlier, and um, I think that's been the biggest driver for that. I mean, there's also other sort of genetic technologies that we're trying to sort of, you know, get into and look at around genomics and, and things like that. So. For us, it's around genetic gain and, and trying to speed up that, that genetic interval and, and to get that progeny on the ground and, and, and get the, the you know the increased growth rates, the the better carcass characteristics and things like that. Yeah. So Sam, first time we met in uh, the Rangitok office there, you were saying that one of the things you wanted to find out from the project was is a good bull worth the money you pay for them because bulls are a pretty big expense in in your operation. So what are you thinking so far? I think just the um the awareness of EVVs has been been um, been a crucial part of the program for us, and um, using a different range of breeds and a different range of EVVs has really shown the um, 
or just given us an understanding of the, of the benefits and, and uh, through that AI program, which we were, I guess, concerned a little bit in terms of the logistics of doing it, um, found it's been a very simple process to do and, and, um, and a, as Richard said, a really good way of bringing great genetics into the system. And, um, and uh, yeah, and is it, is it pretty niggly, the AI? Like how, how many times do you have to get the cattle in? Uh, we, we do a full yarding process, but it's, um, yeah, it hasn't been an issue, really. Um, it's, a, it's at a busy time of the year. You've always, um, um, it's at a time of year where you're, a lot of your other farming operations are, are occurring at the same time, but um, it's a well-run, thought-out, planned process, and, and it's, uh, it's been relatively simple. So, you know, it's something that if we weren't part of the program, we'd probably consider. Um, if, if we needed to bring the, the genetics into our, into our herd. Sure, yeah. And Ian, you mentioned uh, the student involvement with Taratahi, so... Yeah, so, I mean, look, it's, it's been a great program to involve with, um, being able to, to share the learnings of, of, the, um, of the progeny test with, with, the, with the students, but also our staff as well. Um, and I think there's been look, some, some really awesome learnings there. Um, and being able to have that information going to those guys because those guys are the future of our of our industry um, in terms of that AI process using technology they're all very um, adept at using technology and EID and that type of stuff apps on phones so it's just the next step and I, and I think it's been a, a been a great asset um, or you know added to our to our business yeah because you're a bit of an old hack with uh, Prodigy Test really aren't you? Yeah Max yeah look I was <laughs> been involved in the <laughs> In the uh, sheep um, progeny test as well for for a few years prior to prior to Totani as well. Um, so, yep. So, and the processes are fairly similar through sheep and cattle. They they got their slight differences. So, yeah, I guess it's not or trial work in general or research work in general isn't isn't new to us. So it's yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. And some awesome learnings. I think is the key part. Cool. And Simon, you've uh, you took this program on and it was a little bit dry at the start. Then you had an earthquake. You're still there? Yep. No, no, still there. No, I suppose from my point of view, what I've sort of learnt um, is probably being exposed to um, different technologies, AI systems, which were never, you know, done before on a commercial, you know, sense, uh, exposed to different genetics uh, that we probably wouldn't have ever thought of using and seeing how they've correlated and been related down to in EBVs and, um, you know, I've got so much out of the information and we will carry on with our own tailor-made sort of... Um, AI program, um, uh, genetics-wise, but it's sort of probably for me and my staff really expressed what there is to be gained from genetics and mm. and uh, more giving us more direction really. Because you know we've used a lot of different bulls in the progeny test, haven't we? Um, do you think that's yeah, like, you know that, that that's changed the way you've thought about cattle? You think there's too much in terms of variation and oh, there's definitely the a lot of variation within 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 the industry, and I think. I'm, pretty safe to say that you know because um, yeah and I suppose it's really refined to me yeah on what I, what direction I'm taking but everyone's different you know with land land type contour climate everything so um, mm. yeah yeah so when we first arrived I remember you saying that uh, you wanted to chuck a couple of Cherelay bulls in the mix just to see how they went and um, last time I was at your place I saw a couple of Cherelay bulls in the paddock now yep that's right yeah Definitely. Terminal size? Yeah, terminal size, and then we're, you know, also leading on from that, you know, buying bulls, um, bull sales, winter sales, 
you know, looking at more the, you know, the sire lines and dam lines and the EBVs probably a lot closer than I have in the past, in the last 20 years. Yep, yep. I think picking up on uh, on Simon's point, like the, the EBV for 200 day weight is obviously very strong. And so in our, in our system, which is it's apparently a store property, you know, that, that's become a big focus. And we've, and we've got that ability to trust that now when we're, when we're purchasing bulls on that, on that, on that particular EBV. Sure. Yeah. And in terms of uh, setting your programs up for success in terms of the AI and, and cow condition, what, what are we... What have you guys learnt from from what we've been doing? You have to look after your cows a lot more than what we used to. Um, so you need to set them up so that you're looking around that sort of seven, seven and a half condition score. So condition scoring has something that, um, whilst you know in our in our situation we've been doing it for a fair while, condition scoring of our sheep, we hadn't really got into it with our cows um, as much as we have as being part of the program. But I mean now that's now a standard sort of process for us. So we do do a fair bit of condition scoring. Um, not only of our progeny test cows, but also our other cows as well, and it's a matter of actually monitoring those condition scores and and uh, and treating treating the lighter ones and um, and looking to target that sort of seven and a half condition score, you know, around around mating. So um, and that's been proven, but with the data that you guys have um, had, well, the, that the project's produced, yep. um, that that will get the best strike rate. Um, just you know, as far as the AI program goes. Um, we, we, we do a three-yarding policy, so we're a little bit different uh, to Sam and Rangatite. and um, But it's still an extra two yardings, and um, initially that was the biggest, probably the biggest stumbling block to getting into an AI program, um, is the extra work, the perceived extra workload. But the reality, you know, it's, it is two more yardings, so it's a little bit more work, but the, it's, it's, it's not hard, it's pretty easy, and you get a system, and, and it works really well. So I think um, it's really sort of, I think the whole project for me anyways, you know, really alluded to how, you know, the potential of AI, not just for, you know, people like ourselves, but for everyone, all commercial farmers, regardless of size, could look at getting into AI. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, you know, it's been really positive in that. So, so just talking about the condition score, and you, you mentioned seven, seven and a half pre-mating, are, they, are you just saying that we need to mollycoddle our cows now and treat, treat them... Uh, Treat them very nice, or, or oh, do they still work? I think um, you have to put that probably to put that in perspective. We, you know, if we look at our cows this year, they're around seven and a half at mating, but they they've just been set stocked into their calving paddocks at, at six. So, and six is you know I wouldn't probably want to get them much lighter than six. I mean that's probably a little bit too light, but so they did have to work through the you know they had to work through the winter so far. Um, and so I mean you still work your cows, but I think it's a matter of being more aware of the tail end. So you know the cows that are maybe four and a half condition score, you need to, they need to be, be looked after. Likewise, the cows that are eight, eight and a half condition score, probably you know Max has got a whole herd of those ones. But I mean, you know, for our, us commercial farmers, you know we have to, you know we can't afford to have them big fat girls. And um, so Sam, your, your cows were, I mean winters at Rangitaka are pretty, you're pretty high, they're pretty long. Um, yeah. And your cows work reasonably, reasonably hard? Yeah, I think um, just following on from Rich's point, I mean, having them at a good condition score at mating has been key for us in terms of um, our AI results. But um, I find cows extremely robust and they can uh, fluctuate um, in terms of their condition quite drastically throughout the year. So we certainly still work our cows relatively hard through the winter. Um, but um, we focus on feeding them well um, while I've got a carpet foot, and yep. that, that not only um, 
helps with our weaning weights on our calves, but, but gets them in good condition and they can lift lift condition scores quite quickly through that period. So, uh, yeah, so that's our focus and it's been good. Yeah. Simon, you are spend the winter on a mountain. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Like, I didn't realise, you know, as a beef care, um, the, the, the focus that we should have had, you know, in our industry around the condition scoring. And also, going on from that, you know, um, the with the AI program, how quiet it's made our calves and our, and our cows, you know, from all the all the handling as well, which has made for better stockmanship within the within the staff and with the with the handling the cattle, etc. As well, so it's um you know, it's it's not a lot of work. Well, we, you know, we thought it was going to be a lot of work, but it's um quite easy once you get into a system. And so should the stud going. breeders be worried if you AI or your, your cows? Or should should stud breeders be worried? No, I don't think so. Because at the end of the day, Max, you you can't do it yourself. I know you're you're, you're pretty good at the job, but you know, you know, you got to still have balls. Um, Just as many, really. Don't yeah, you? you do, and that's a big focus mm-hmm. for us. Is um, you know, we as the fourth of January, we're going to be balling up twice a day. We do to try and get that second cycle nailed. So do you reckon uh, these fellas spending big money on balls? Reckon they're getting it back? Depends yes. on, it depends on what stud you're buying those bulls at, I guess. Does it? Yes. Okay. Can you elaborate there, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm quite happy to put money out, mate. Um, I guess, you know, there's some big money being paid for bulls that probably genetically um, aren't going to take you um, your genetics and your herd any, you know, further or ahead. And I think, you know, it's important that people maybe have a look at... Um, where they are buying their bulls from and, and where that genetic gain is going because you, you're always going to track behind your breeder so you're going to be three or four years behind your breeder's genetic gain by buying yes. his best bull that he's produced mm. bearing in mind that it's taken three years or you know two years to get that bull to you and then it's going to be another year before you get it on the ground you know so it'll get progeny on the ground so I think it's important that you do look and so I, 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 I'd very you know I'd argue that paying big big bucks for bulls that uh, genetically, um, don't stack up based on EBVs because we've really got. At the end of the day, this project is about proving EBVs. That's originally what the project test was about, and I think we're actually do- we're doing we've done that. We're doing it. Um, so, based on that, if you say that if you now believe that EBVs work, then and you're going to go and pay twenty grand for a bull that's got inferior EBVs or a below breed average. Um, you'd have to say that that would not be a wise uh, genetic move. Yeah, well, I suppose the next thing, Richard, I'd like to see is um, is the maternal side. Is You know, that's for, for me also going forward, isn't it? Like, is, is you know, like, we've bred, the, we've bred the steers, we've got the heifers, they're on their second calving now. So what have we got? Two lots. We've got first and second calvers calving down this year, haven't we? Yeah, so, and then seeing those cows um, go through the, you know, through the mill, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I reckon that's going to be a big thing for me, eh? It's just, try, you know... That's true, but you still want the, the fundamentals of a cow that's going to get in calf. Yep. She's got to be able to put some weight on, take some weight off over winter, you know, all those maternal things. Yep. Yep. And you want to get a good carcass. Now, yep. can we have both? What do you reckon? Ian? Sam? Yeah. Yep, I think we can. Of course. Can. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Dead right. I reckon you can have a good a good, a good cow maker, you know, that's not a racing sardine that produces good good steers. <laughs> so, Sam, what do, you, what do you reckon we can have both? Maternal, maternal and carcass. You're getting some pretty good conception rates. What's what sort of conception rates you're getting to um, to AI and then over, overall at the end of the backup, Bull Sam? Yeah, I mean, um, um, yeah, the, the fertility of our cows on on Rangitike, we've had some great success, and it's been uh, I'm not sure through what other than uh, 
other than great management. Good yeah. management. Yeah. Yeah. Great and, management. And, and, and yeah. excellent genetics. And excellent genetics, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had some great results through um, through some yeah through some bloody good management and good good genetics. Um, um, so your AI results, your AI conception rates. Are... Yep, we've um, been in the, we've been in the early to mid sixties for our AI conception, yep. which has been fantastic. Um, and then we're sort of mid nineties and above, really around our um, around our overall conception over over our. Um, yeah, over our mating period, so it's um, it's been successful, and then and then our first cohort of steers, um, that's good work. Um, but yeah, and then our first cohort of steers, we were, um, our carcass traits through those as well, and admittedly they were two and a half year old by the time we killed them, um, we finished them well, and um, we were sort of in that seventy to eighty percent um, EQ results. So. Yeah. Um, so that, that's an example of, of basically getting getting both, um, which has been. Uh, you think, Sam? You know, the key to your AI conception or rate is um, you are carving a lot later, and you really you really wait for your um, spring to come on up there. Yeah, I think it's part of it. I mean, our, our cows, um, our mating date's not till January. Um, the cows are in very, very good order. By the time yeah. we get to that period, we have really, really good explosive springs on Rangitike, so there's a heap of feed in front of them. Uh, farms and uh, got is a pretty good contour. I think all those little things help in terms of management practices that that that, that help with that process. So, mm. what would the average body condition score be? Oh, we'd be. Probably, as Richard said earlier, about seven and a half to, to yeah. eight on, at mating. At mating, but yeah. we'd probably get as low as five mm. coming out mm. in the winter mm. on those cows. Mm. Um, so, so we certainly fluctuate their con body condition through the period. Yeah, it's quite a cool thing, like the variety of country we're testing these bulls on, isn't it? You know, uh, and the, the scope and um, how much difference you know there is in the geography of the of the sort of. Um, you know, the way these bulls have to perform. And I guess across the board, most of those traits have, have lined up pretty well for EBVs predicting calf performance. Is there anything you were surprised about there, Richard? As far as the EBVs, or, you know, no. I, I, I think it's, it's, you know, it looks like it's, it's stacked up pretty much the way, um, the way the, the way the EBVs have, you know, if you if you predicted it based on EBVs, that seems to be the way it's gone. Well, I just agree with you. It's, it's great that there's a wide range of different, um, you know, different contours, different environments, different different you know, systems, practices, different systems. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's bloody awesome because it, it really shows that it, you know, um, that they do actually work and they work it, in any environment. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. So that, that, that's actually really cool. I, I think, you know, I yeah maybe. I, I do get frustrated that we're actually we have having to even spend time to, to actually do this. We, you know, for me, it'd be good to actually crank into some of the other genomic technologies that are out there and do a bit more, more work around that. You know, to get to the next to get to the next level. Um, so, but you know, I've, I've, I've been happy with it. It's um, we've used a wide range of bulls, and like everybody else, so we've used bulls that we would never ever use, you know, commercially. And I think you know, as being part of this project, you know, to be able to, to show the full, the full length and breadth of um, of the genetics that are, that are available. So, and look, it's been it, it's it's been great to see that. It's also been great to see some some places like Capfay and you know, and maybe Rangitite that are getting really great um, you know, hit rates of EQ. I think 
it is important probably and we are changing our policy slightly to actually maybe to better um, capture that 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 potential that we have actually got with those genetics to move to more of a, um, a two and a half year sort of finishing policy with our steers as opposed to, to 18 months. With the 18 months I don't think we're giving them enough time to actually fully you know, um, fully display that, that genetic potential. So, um, but yeah, it's um, it's been great. So that's not a trade off with, you know, a more efficient system, or is it realising realising that extra sort of investment you're putting in size? Yeah, I think I think a bit of both really. I mean, I think it, there's a bit of a cost. I mean, there's other reasons why we're doing it, sort of for biosecurity and things like that, um, Max. But I think you know, if you sit down and work it out. Um, you know, we're killing those steers at sort of that 270 kilos, 280 kilos, whereas if we take them to sort of 330, 340 and get a better EQ hit, then there's potentially an extra 30, 40 cents per kilo just on getting a better EQ um, hit on those cattle and we actually will actually see them, you know, we're a fully grass system as well, we don't actually have the crops in there to, to help us get them to that heavier weight, so in a full grass system you're, you are struggling to really get them um, you know, into the into the three hundreds, into the mid, the low three hundreds on grass within eighteen months, and that's when you're starting to see the differences in the eating quality. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so. I think it it will be interesting to see, and I think it's something um, that you know that we, we're going to have a look at. Um, we've put a lot, we've you know put a lot of lot of lot of focus on carcass characteristics within our um, in our herd, um, as well as growth. So you know, we probably do need to you know get some payback on that. Yeah, and we saw that with our with our steers. I mean, with the same same group, we underkilled a lot. Um, just giving them the opportunity to express their, those genetics is is important. And I think we it's something that I've learned anyway. Taking them to heavier weights and actually finishing your cattle, I think I think a lot of us probably don't realise um, what's required to, 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 to really finish your cattle, and um, that's something that we've learned anyway. Well, one point I will make on that though is in the last two or three years the schedules have changed completely. The returns that we potentially can get from cattle are a lot greater than what they were two or three years ago. Yep. And I think you know that 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 changes the, that changes the whole field as well. You now you now can get you now killing steers at you know two and a half thousand dollars, two and a half year old steers. Well, it's big bucks, you know. I mean, back you know we were struggling to get. You know, twelve hundred dollars. You know, so I think it, it, it's changed, and I think there's a lot more value to be added to the, to those cattle. So that changes the whole economic proposition as well by taking them through an extra winter. And you'd argue it's probably going to get even better in terms of um, the difference between higher eagle feeding quality and and, and uh, commodity beef, I guess, yeah. manufacturing beef. Yeah. And so that that creates a whole lot of opportunities around changing your system management around how we do things and I guess an example of that obviously being at Totani for only about 10 months <coughs> they killed one lot earlier about in, in July changed what we did when I got there and all of a sudden you know there was a, there was a big lift and um, you know obviously that was the season as well so um, I think <coughs> when you've got some low hanging fruit like some some eating quality um, stuff you know people change to, to, to make those to make those those economic returns yeah. Yeah. and do you think it's cost your business to chase those returns or do you think it's it's a game. Right, have you done something special to achieve that? I'd like to see us get paid more yeah. for the for the um, for those EQ hit rates and that. Um, but I think that'll come. Mm. Yeah. You're right. It's got to be a greater incentive. Yeah, I think that'll really change the uh, really influence the industry more if there's more value in it. Yeah, but it's definitely there.
Oh, I think it's like, I mean, my view is it's like anything in, in the industry. Is industry good? You know, the, and, and um, you know, like I've been involved in other projects um, over, over the years, and I, and I just think it's part of that, I hate the word, but it's part of that journey, you know, and it's part of the learnings and what we can, as an industry, we're progressing, we're progressing forward, and, and I think it's just a great um, initiative, I guess, and yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There are a lot of good learnings out of this, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and I'd do it all over again. Um, and taking a lot away from it to, you know, for our own business and wherever, you know, we all end up. For me, I, I, I find it unfortunate that that um, in some cases across across our cattle industry we almost have to do a project like this. Um, I feel like it's a no-brainer. Um, however, there's a, a lot of our industry that have got a, a backwards way of thinking and, and I feel like, um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. Oh, that's a good comment, though. I'd agree with that, and I've already made that comment. But I, I just, I would agree with you, Sam. And I think, you know, what I, my sort of parting comment would be: just encourage farmers to actually really get in and, and analyse where they actually want to go, um, what their goals are, where they're actually wanting to head. You know, um, you know, most farmers, you know, profitability is a, is a big driver. And so I just encourage people to have a really close look at, you know, because genetics and profitability, it's all, it all ties in, you know. And the decision that you make on a bull, you know, today is going to influence your herd for the next eight to ten years at least. And it's going to so, and basically it's going to influence your profitability for the next eight to ten years. So it's a big decision. Genetics is a big decision. And, you know, for farmers, for farmers, there's things that are out of our control. We're out of our control when it's not nice, nice and sunny and gizzy, you know, it's actually a cold day for once. Um, but you know, things are out of our control, but genetics is something that we have 100% control over. You have 100% control over what bull or what ram you put over your, your ewes or your cows. So I just encourage farmers, you know, that's something we can have full control over that can actually make a big difference to your bottom line. So I just encourage guys to get into it and, um, and investigate it and, and you know, get some advice and make some good decisions. So Richard, um, you mentioned before about taking things forward and, and getting into genomics and uh, you and I have talked about um, where we could go with some of the data that we've collected on your herd. What excites you? What do you want to do with this information? So for me, you know, we have four or five years of collecting data um, on our cows, so condition scores, weights, um, weaning weights, you know, calf weaning weights, things like that. For me, I, I, I want to identify you know, the, the most efficient cow. So create a bit of an index that's probably relevant to Whangarau farms or relevant to us in, in, in the climate and the and the conditions that we experience here that gives us an index within our herd um, that we can then identify our, our top performers, um, the cows that are okay, and then for me it's really get into the low, if we can get rid of the bottom 25%, the inefficient cows, which is actually increase our, um, our, our productivity and, and ultimately our profitability if we, can, if we can identify those cows and then actually focus on the, 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 the best cows based on that index so that's something that's going to drive that, that really excites me and also just some of the genomic genomic technologies that are used around the world so heifer select is one where you can have a dna sample and, and make a genetic choice on a heifer you know as a calf and and you know so make your make your decisions earlier smarter using the technology that's available yep um so for me i just think new zealand needs to we need to catch up because we're actually way behind um the world really when it comes to you know, our attitude to genetics and how we utilise the t technology available. Sure. Well, we're lucky with a pretty good crew here and uh, um, some great champions of the project. Um, 
you know, we just obviously got that sire report that has just come out, um, ranking those 52 sires and five breeds on five stations, a couple of thousand cows, calves worth. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty cool about to see them all ranked up, and, and but um, more importantly, to be in the presence of you big guns. But look, we'll um, wrap it up there, I think, and <laughs> go and have a beer outside. Yep, so from a commercial farmer trying to buy bulls, I would say one is we've shown that you can realise the benefits of EBVs under commercial conditions, so you can have confidence when you're buying your commercial bulls that, that actually you're going to get the return on investment in your system. Secondly is um, there's a bunch of things that affect meat quality. Genetics is, is one of them, um, but also there's some management and, and system type things, and so we've got to get all, all three right. Um, and thirdly, that so far... Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about antagonisms of traits and all that sort of thing and, and onto reproductive type of things, but, but so far we haven't been able to find any of those antagonisms. So I think, you know, it is still early days for that one, but, but you know, we can have growing confidence that we can go down the, the path and, and have some carcass traits, but also not sacrifice our, our maternal worth at the same time. Rightio, Jason, EBVs are lining up well, um, so when we see how much the size EBV turns into calf performance across all the traits, they're lining up pretty, bloody well. So 73% of those EBVs turned calf performance, some better than others, um, but most on, it, on average doing really well. So um, that needs to be backed by a solid recording and uh, good recording plans, and um, so that's something performance recording and completeness needs to be considered. Number two, um, we're not seeing the relationship between sire, IMF, EBV, and, uh, and, and other traits. So heifers are getting in calf easily. Um, they're not leaner or, or, or fatter. IMF isn't having a, having a consequence. Um, and then thirdly, um, there's certain uh, structural traits that we're seeing that are more problematic and more about the sire. So watch out for rear leg angle, front foot angle, and uh, front claw shape. Um, when you're sleeping bulls and, um, and when you're talking to your commercial clients.